0: Well, good morning, Susan, a new day. Good morning, guys. Thank you for being with us today. Um, We'll be in this auditorium, I think, for a couple more weeks and uh, the beginning of August. No complaining. This is all a test, all a test to see how well your attitudes hold up in the midst of discomfort. I'm extremely excited to continue. I don't know if, Terrence, you can take me down a little bit. It sounds loud to me, so... We're going to continue to talk about a series called The Good Fight. And I'm extremely excited to share some of the things that I've been studying this past week. And most often for myself, when I do a message, I feel like, oh, that's complete. I'm ready to deliver it. Today, I didn't feel that way. Today, I felt like, man, it's just incomplete. So my prayer is that as I continue to speak today, that whatever it is that God has for you, that you'll be able to receive it and that we'll be able to give you something that You can fight well with this life is not meant for us to be consistently underneath the the challenges and the obstacles of life and there's no one here today and I know we all know this but I just want to make sure it's something that we all fully understand no one here today Megan do you have a blanket on you (laughs) no one here today is exempt from the cold weather of an auditorium This message is for you, Megan. No one here is exempt from the battles of life, but along with that is no one is at a disadvantage when you're facing a battle. There's not one single individual in this room that is exempt from the battle of life, no matter how obedient you are, how disobedient, how wonderful, how good you look or how bad you look, no one is exempt from the battles that are going to come to all of our lives. But also, no one, is, uh, no one is at a disadvantage when it comes to fighting these battles. You have everything that you need to overcome. You have everything that you need to stand in a place that you're not moved by what you see. You're moved only by what your Father says. That's been given to you. They're gifts from your Heavenly Father. And when we receive them, we can now fully overcome and be the conquerors that we are called to be. We all have the same ability, the same grace is upon us all to overcome the challenges. And we all face battles. Some are different. They all have different scenery. And sometimes we look at somebody's life and we go, man, I don't know if I could ever handle what they handle. But how many know whatever you've handled, it's because God has given you a grace upon that season that you're in. And it's in that season that you feel like, and that's why that verse is so true, is that God will never give us something that we can't seem to endure through. Why? Because he gives us a grace with every single battle, every single one. But why do some come out victorious and others are overcome by the challenges of life? I hope today to shed some light on the answer to that question and to show you how to fight properly. If you have your Bibles, it's gonna be on the screen. Romans chapter eight, verse 35. I wanted to at least highlight this scripture in the beginning because I believe it's important to connect throughout the entire message. It says these words, and if you ever have a chance to read the entire passage or the chapter, I would really encourage you to do so. It says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? This is extremely important because when we face off with challenges, one of the first things that gets doubted is God's love for us. I just want to encourage you, battles do not measure God's love for you. The allowance that you go through and God allows you to go through things does not, does not measure whether or not he wants to show you favor or well, he, he doesn't or you're disappointing him or whether he's happy with you. It says, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness Or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long, we are counted as sheep to the slaughter, yet in all these things we are what? How many times do you feel like you're going through a challenge and that challenge begins to define you? Your salary begins to define you. What you wear begins to define you. What you drive what begins to define you. What you're facing off with and how long you're facing off with defines whether or not you're a person of faith. And so if you're going through a challenge, you're like, man, God, what is wrong with my faith? And remember, faith, refusing to settle for what life brings your way. It's not that th- something won't come your way. It's refusing to accept that as final inside of your life. And he says in all these things, in tribulation, distress, persecution, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So for me, it's, it's now important for me to understand and define what conqueror actually means. Because when we look at our circumstances and we start to measure what conquering looks like based upon our circumstances, we think that I'm no longer in that what? Circumstance. That if I'm a conqueror, I no longer be in the valley. If I'm a conqueror, I no longer feel the pain. If I'm in a, a conqueror, then these things were no longer attacking my life. But what if it's the opposite? What if a conqueror is who you are on the inside? What if you are pressed on every single side, but you're not crushed? What if there's, a, there's this uh, a, a treasure called Jesus Christ that lives on the inside of you and you realize that he's more than a conqueror and he dwells on the inside of you so it's not what happens on the outside and it's not how well life lines up according to what you think it should line up for, it's how well you're doing on the inside. That is a conqueror. And I've told you many times, I shared the story about my friend Dione. He is the ultimate, the epitome of success in my eyes. He doesn't have the nicest clothes, doesn't make the most money, doesn't drive the fanciest car, isn't the most charismatic. Of course, he's one of the most kind and gentle men I've ever met, but it's, uh, it's all about what's on the inside. i have never seen that man waver on the inside. i have never seen him not be at peace and at rest and full of joy because in the presence of God is what? Fullness of joy. And he's learned how to uh, allow the presence of God to inhabit his life. And I believe that's what we're seeing here is that in all these things, we're more than conquerors. And how many times do we have a destination on being more than a conqueror? No, you're more than a conqueror. Every single one of you that are battling the battles that you're battling, I'm telling you, you're more than a conqueror right now. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you are more than a conqueror. Just like God spoke that over Gideon, He says the same thing to you today. And sometimes we look at God and go, man, you have the wrong person when he's saying that. And you have a reason why you are not more than a conqueror. But I'm telling you today, it's about who you are on the inside, not what you see on the outside. Some time ago, there was a story on ESPN of the life of Mike Tyson. I'm sure many of you know who he is. And specifically, they highlighted the events leading up to a fight that he was going to face with a gentleman called Buster Douglas. And at that moment, Mike Tyson was on top of the game, i on mean, top of his game. I mean, nobody felt like Buster Douglas had a chance of beating him, that it was gonna be a first round, second round knockout like every single one of his fights. And yet he lost. At the top of his game, the greatest fighter at that time in the generation, he lost. And it was devastating to him and to the entire sports world. And his future career began to take a huge dip after that. But of course, I'm not here to talk about Mike Tyson, but I'm very interested in why he lost because I see some two direct parallels of why we lose so many times when the battles of life come our way. The first one is he didn't train properly. He admits to thinking that he had this In the bag like I got this guy this guy's no match he's looking fights ahead of who he could fight after that and he didn't train properly he was a party guy he did a whole bunch of things and he stepped into that ring knowing one thing I did not train as I normally do for this fight that I'm about to face and the second thing that he did that was wrong is he underestimated his opponent. And how many times do we do that in life, too? I watch it. I get to talk to so many of you on a week by week basis. And some of you, men, are overcoming the challenges of life, and some of you, men, are just getting pummeled left and right, left and right. And I want to encourage you when you train properly and you don't underestimate the enemy that you're facing, you can have victory after victory after victory after victory. Where? In here. That no matter what happens to you, how many blows come knocking at your door, something inside of you is at complete rest. That's a life of victory right there. To be able to respond as your as your Savior Christ responded to every challenge that he faced. And so the fight that we are in is a real deal. It's a daily and it's a moment by moment fight. And there is an enemy and for the most part he is eating our lunch when it comes to fighting him back and we are called to believe we are called to stand and we are called to be who God called us to be I want you to catch those three words if you have a chance to write them down we are called to believe we are called to stand and we are called to be And most often, that's where the enemy begins to get us off track as we begin to doubt the very things that our Father has said. And then when we begin to doubt, we're like the waves of the sea that are tossed to and fro, and we're no longer standing in the place that God has called us to stand. And we're no longer standing in the place that God has called us to stand. We're no longer being who we're called to be. And that's when we start to try to be a better Christian, and we strive to do this and do this and do this, and function rises to the top because initially, we didn't just believe, I'm more than than a conqueror and the enemy comes and says you're more than a conqueror then why is that going in your life happening in your life you're more than a conqueror then why is that going so long inside of your life and then you begin to doubt back and forth and you go what maybe i'm not and man you stop believing and then you stop standing and then you're no longer being who god called you to be and i want you to see that progression because the enemy is very good at what he does in first timothy chapter six verse number 12 this is the kind of the the staple scripture that we've been going through uh, cue the screen, Johnny boy. Aha. Uh-huh. Romans, uh, or First uh, Timothy. Keep going. It says fight the what? Fight, fight the good fight of faith. The fact that you're walking by faith does not eliminate the fight. fight. The fight's there. You're, you're fighting this good fight of faith. It says lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and you have confessed the good confession and the presence of many witnesses. Throughout the scriptures, we are exhorted to live by faith. We're called to walk by faith, and then we're called to fight the good fight of faith. What does it mean to live by faith? It means to have the perspective of your father. In Isaiah chapter 55, it's not on the screen, Johnny. Isaiah 55, verse number 8 and 9 says, Your ways are not our ways, nor your thoughts are our thoughts, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. He always begins to upgrade you and bring you to a new perspective. So living by faith is seeing things from a completely different perspective. To walk by faith is a new mindset. It means that I'm not gonna be moved by what I see. So when I hear bad news and I see that that person did that to me and this is what this looks like in my life, I'm not gonna be moved by that. Something else is gonna move me on the inside. And then to fight the good fight of faith. That's where you get down deep. That's where you put the gloves on and go, okay, I'm not moving from where I am. I'm not moving from who God said I am. I'm not moving from what he has spoken into my life. I'm standing right here and I'm not gonna move until what he promised me actually happens inside of my life. This is where I take my stance. And when we are living by faith, it it actually produces something of great value. And I want you to hear my words today when I say this because so often when we talk about the subject of faith, it's about producing something inside of our life that would make us happier or our life a little bit more comfortable. And when we start to expend our energy on just making life better for us, we're missing something so important. So when I walk by faith, how do I know if I'm walking by faith? There's this increase of peace that passes all understanding that I can't explain why there's peace. I can't explain why in the midst of some things that does not allow most people to have peace, there's a peace inside. That somehow the prince of peace is coming alive on the inside of me to where I'm no longer pretending. I'm no longer lying to people about, oh, life's good when when really it's just breaking me under the pressure. No, there's a peace the only way i can explain peace is that imagine a thousand pounds of pressure weighing on your shoulders and now you have a thousand one pounds of pressure going up that the the weight's still there but it just seems like it's right above your shoulders that it's not wearing you down it's not breaking you down it's where you actually believe man i can actually do this i can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Why? Because that peace is now pushing against the pressures of life and now it's a peace that passes all under what? Under understanding. And so when you walk by faith, you begin to have this peace. When you walk by faith, there's a joy that's not dictated by circumstances. That happiness is very different. Happiness is fulfillment. You had a good cake, that makes you happy. You had something that was bad, a bad steak, that makes you unhappy. And so happiness is fleeting, happiness is moment by moment of what's going on, but there's a joy that the Bible talks about, a joy that is our strength, a joy that actually rises up from within, that causes you to see life a little bit different than most people see it. That you actually have a mountain in your life, but somehow you're able to actually talk or think about the things that's beyond the mountain. That when you're in the valley, you're able, actually able to talk about the one who's walking with you in the valley more than you talk about the valley. That's joy. Joy is knowing that God is always with me and he will never, what, forsake me. That my father, my shepherd, is always leading me every step of the way. There's a joy of knowing that I'm going to make it through. And then lastly, how do you know if you're walking by faith? It's not by what you drive. It's not by how well you look and how well your body is. How do you know there's a rest of your soul? There's a rest that you you experience. It's so hard to fully communicate what I'm trying to say is that when worry enters your mind, it seems like rest just gobbles it up and says that is not allowed here whatsoever. And that when fear begins to creep in because of what it's gonna look like and how is this gonna work itself out, rest goes, be still and know that I am God and it's not that you force it none of this is forced remember how do you become in the kingdom by receiving so when I'm going through a challenging time and I want to become a man of peace and a man of joy a man of faith and a man of rest what am I doing father I receive your peace today I remember challenging times that Sarah and I were going through in 2017 And the Lord took me on a three-month process of just learning what this looks like. And every single morning, without it being a function, it would be, Father, I just receive your rest today. And I remember the picture he gave me, at least in my mind, was me and Jesus were sitting on these hammocks. And I just kept on being in the picture like, all right, we ready? We ready to go do something other than just rest here in this hammock? And then he's like, well, no, 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 you haven't received it yet. Five minutes later, okay, are we ready? Let's go do something with our life. Let's go be productive. Until Jesus says, no, you haven't received it yet. Until you completely rest from thinking you have to strive for him, that's rest. In Hebrews chapter four, it's called the Sabbath rest for believers, that we can enter into a place where I no longer strive to make this relationship any better. I just rest in the fact that Jesus secured a perfect relationship between me and my father. That's rest. No longer is heaven something I'm striving for because heaven is just simply a reward for those who are the sons and daughters of the Father. And so my faith is grounded and it's anchored in God's love. Faith is not something that is anchored in anything except for one thing. God loves you Immensely, When he looks at you, his thoughts toward you are precious, David says. That when he looks at you, he looks at you with delight, every single one of you. I wish I could look straight into your eyes and just remind you that God's love for you is because he's love. And he looks at you with delight and he looks at you and he says, you are my beloved son and daughter. It's in that place of complete security that I now can trust him. And that I can rest in faith and knowing that I don't have to do anything to make this better. I can now live at a place that this is good. How many have ever been in a relationship where you just don't know where you stand with the person? You just don't... <laughs> Lester's like... <laughs> You just don't know where you stand with them. You're not sure if they like you, if they don't like you, if they're gonna reject you, if they're not gonna reject you. How about being on a job when you go, man, there's all these layoffs happening and what's inside going, oh man, I don't know if I'm the next person. There's an uneasiness, and unsettling. And I, I remember uh, spending time with a, a close friend of mine. We're no longer in friendship, but he always struggled with believing that he was good with God. Like always, he just consistently up and down, up and down because of the way that he just felt like God was, nope, God doesn't want anything to do with me. And so there is no rest here. And if there's no rest here, there can't be complete trust. There can't be complete faith. Because faith is toward a relationship. It's not toward just a word that we have in the Bible. It's toward the one who spoke the word. And so my faith completely rests in the love of God. And it wasn't until a few years ago that finally I just rested here. I, I, I learned how to be completely secure in the fact like, we're good, right, God? We're, we're, we're good? Are, we, are Yeah, we're good. I can trust you, right? And some of us struggle to trust God, not because you haven't spoken the word enough. Why? Because you haven't known truly that the Father loves you immensely every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Amen. And so Ephesians three seventeen and eighteen. This is Paul, his second prayer to the church of Ephesians. He says, "All the saints." This is the beginning of a, or a middle of a sentence. That all the saints that they would know what is the width and the length and the depth and the height that Christ may dwell in your hearts through what faith that you being rooted and grounded in what I remember early on in the the beginning of the new day plants that. I said this statement to you guys, I could try, but I would fail to ever over-exaggerate God's love towards you. Like I could do my best to go to the extremes of what his love is like towards you and I still wouldn't come close to the width and the length and the depth and the height. We wouldn't even touch the corners of how much God loves every single one of you and it's us being rooted and grounded Where? In love that's where our faith begins to explode that's where he begins to go hey i got something for you what do you have for me oh just follow me and and when you're grounded and rooted in love you're like all right where are we going now you become excited about where he's taking you rather than questioning every step of the way are we there yet are we there yet are we there yet where are we going i'm not moving until you tell me and god's like will you just trust me and when you're rooted and grounded in love that you may be able to comprehend, go to the next verse, Johnny. Verse 19. Uh, we don't have verse 19, okay. You guys can read it on your own. 1 John four sixteen and 17, it says this, that we have come into an intimate experience with God's love. And we trust in the love that he has for us for God is love. And those who are living in love are living in God. And God lives through them. I want you to see this By living in God Love has been brought to its full expression In us so that we May fearlessly face The day of judgment Why am I talking about this Because some of us are like Man the day that the Lord meets me Is going to be a tough day Or that we're not fully secure That there's no fear of standing Before our maker one day Your only security comes To have you put your trust in one Named Jesus Christ. If you have, there is no fear of facing the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. And when you finally realize that and finally just receive it, how do you do that? Father, I just received your love today over, I, I fear standing before you. I fear trusting you at times. I'm struggling to trust you. And you know what happens when many people struggle to trust God? They feel what? Condemned. They feel like they're not, not, not enough faith. They feel like they, God just must be like, when are you gonna trust me? And you know what we, we many times do is we go to God in complete shame. When in fact, all we need to do is go, God, I just receive your love today because I'm facing off with fear, but your perfect love cast out all what? All fear. And so, Father God, let's not deal with the fear. I know I just need to receive more of your love. Father, right now, I'm just struggling to trust you with my daughter and with her sickness. So, Father, I just ask you, just remind me how much you love her and how much you love me, and I just receive it right now. And as I do that, guess what happens? Faith begins to rise inside my heart why because I know that God is always good he always has my best in mind and he's always setting me up and my family and my wife and my daughters to succeed in what he's called them to do so no matter what they go through I just trust that father you're so good and you're so loving and so I just receive that about you so that I can fully trust you with my daughter That's how you begin to do it. Otherwise, what happens is you start to just put so much pressure on yourself to trust God when it's simply just a result of knowing him more. And so what is faith? This is a definition we came, we shared a couple weeks ago. You can put this on the screen. Faith is responding to what God has said to us and to what Jesus did for us. I want that to sink in for a little bit because that's what walking by faith is. How do you walk by faith, Justin? It's all about responding. Faith is never initiating. Faith is always responding to the initiator. God always makes the first move and he says, Justin, you're forgiven. And I have something going on with my past that I remember and the devil clearly reminds me of all the time. The question is, what will I respond to? What I did in my past or what Jesus said that I'm forgiven? And you know what it means to be forgiven? You are completely cleared of all the debt that you would owe regarding this situation. And so what am I doing? Faith is what? Responding not to how I feel about the shame of what I used to do. Faith is saying, God, I receive your forgiveness and I receive it in fullness. And it's responding to what Jesus did for us. The reason why God can forgive me is because Jesus took the place and he took the wrath of God. How about another one? God says, okay, here's the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. How would faith respond to it? Most often what we do is go, man, God, I just don't deserve that right now. Oh, I just feel like I'm not, un- I'm not worthy of God's grace. You're totally right, but you're totally wrong. As faith says this, I'm gonna respond to what you said, Father. You say it's abundance of grace, and I'm gonna act like it's abundance of grace, not just a little trickle. Amen? because sometimes we think he just gives grace in a little measure but not grace in fullness and so I'm responding to that and what if you lose your job or something comes up and there's bad news the question at the end of the day is what will you respond to because that's what faith is. Faith is not trying to change every single circumstance so it lines up with a better life for yourself. No, it's saying, God, in the midst of this, this is how I'll respond. You say that you will, you will make all things work together for the good of those, who, I respond to that. And now I'm living a life in response to this very thing. God, you are always good imagine if you put that filter on your life and you said okay no matter what i go through no matter what i see no matter what i face off with no matter what somebody does to me i have one response and it's going to be to his goodness because how many do you see on facebook or how many do you see in the world on the news that we are responding to the evil people of this world rather than to the goodness of god in this world and they got us all up in, I mean, our undies are in a bunch over the fact of how wicked the world is. And I get it. You look at the world, it's wicked. You look at the world and all we want to do is fix it or, 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 or condemn it or destroy it rather than, God, I want to respond to your goodness so that I could actually be a light in that dark world. Because when you look at the world and you see wickedness and darkness and you begin to condemn it and judge it, what happens is you no longer are an answer for it. And when you, that's why Jesus came, of course, everybody was a, a putz compared to him. You know what I'm saying? Like he had to disciple 12 of those guys and, and he had to do it. Why? Because he trusted in one thing, God, you are good. You sent me on a mission and I pray that my response to your goodness will make an impact wherever I go and that the darker it gets, the lighter we start to get inside this world. Otherwise, we're responding to something rather than God. We're responding rather than as something God said. Oh, did you see what's going on in the world? You see that? Did you see that? I, we see it all, but I want to know did you hear what God said? Do you hear what He's going to do? Do you hear why He has a remnant of believers on this earth to be a light in a dark world? Do you, re, do you know that? Let's respond. Let's respond that when He says when we pray, something's going to happen, that the righteous prayers are what? Effective and they will avail much. Let's respond to that. So that when we pray, I know, man, I'm responding. God said, you said I I would say this in the name of Jesus and it would happen. Father God, I'm responding to that. Rather than getting all up in this issue of, man, why that person and why are they doing this? Remember, we're fighting the good fight of faith. I said something last week. I want to make sure I, I clarify it. You are not fighting God to get something from him. God is not the one who goes, no? Tell me, what number do I have in my back? Nope, totally wrong. You can't even count as high as I can, you know. It's like he's not trying to go, uh, what are you going to do for it? Like a little puppy. And I remember when the, uh, the Lord showed me this. I feel like we've made obedience like, okay, Justin, uh, jump, jump. uh here it is, a good bone. No, no, no. He has a path called God's will. He has a path called not God's will. And it's on this path that his blessings are in abundance. And his goodness, why? Because the spirit of God is leading me. And so it's not a reward for my obedience. It's because I'm walking in the will of God that I experience the goodness of God. And the same thing is that you have some kids that are maybe walking down this path. God is not punishing them, but they're walking down a path that has very few blessings of God. His presence is with them. I can tell you that, but that path has a lot of trouble and a lot of difficulty. So it's not God, oh, no, 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 you don't, no, no, you jump a little higher, okay, Justin, pastor a little better, preach a little bit better, go serve a little bit more, and here's a treat. That's not God. God says it's all yours already. Who's gonna receive it? And so I'm not fighting God to get something from him. God, will you just give me this new job? God, will you just give me this new toy? God, will you just give me this new man? That was for only the single ladies, amen? (laughs) And I said this, and I think this is important. You look throughout the scriptures, and you'll see what I mean. You are not fighting the enemy and trying to stop him. The enemy has been... And there's a coming a day where he knows his time is done. He is the God of this world right now, and I am no place to take him out of that position. God, my Father, will do that very thing. But if I get fixated on him, I'm missing it. If he can get my attention onto him and off the author and the perfecter of my faith, I lose. Are you following that? If I am fighting the enemy and every single rock I see an enemy and I'm just going to fight him there and fight him there and I feel like I'm getting attacked and everything about my language is, man, the devil's just, we're just fighting it off right now. You're missing something about this good fight. There is an enemy and he is attacking you, but he is not your fight and you are not fighting people. Please hear me with those words. They may do you wrong. They may do evil in this world. But the moment you get your eyes on a person, on the enemy, you have missed the good fight of faith. 1 Peter 5, 8 says these words, Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Remember, he's trying to get you off of a place of what? Believing standing so you can be. And if he can get you in the place where you're doubting the very things that you should be standing on, he's got you moved off the place where you should be. And God, by his spirit, works on your hearts. But how many know Satan works on your mind? It's where God begins to dwell. That's why those two people on the road of Emmaus, they were with Jesus. They didn't recognize it. And when he disappeared, they said, did our hearts not what? Burn within us but how many already on Sunday morning have had crazy thoughts go through your mind? I know there's times where I'm worshiping God and I'm like, holy cow, where did that picture come from? (laughs) Like that picture was from when I was 17 looking at something I shouldn't have looked at. Why is that picture in my mind? And it used to bother me. And it used to condemn me. Now I just swipe left. (laughs) Until a thought of God comes to my mind. I go, oh, that that one's good. Let's do that one. Because it's not who I I am. I didn't put that thought there. The enemy's just kind of trying to play games with my mind, see if I'll dwell on it a little bit longer. And if I dwell on it, then he's got me in a place where I'm fixated on something other than I should be. And the enemy is on a mission to hinder the work that God gave every one of you. Let me say this very clearly. Every single one of you in this room have a ministry from God. Every single one of you. And God has given you that assignment and those things that he has for you to do. And the enemy is on a mission to hinder you from being the father you're called to be, from being the wife you're called to be, from being the husband that you're called to be and from being the mother you're called to be, from being the, 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 the boss or the, the servant, the, the son, the daughter, whoever it is, God has given you assignments on this life and Satan is out to hinder you and he knows how to do it. Look at this verse in uh, 1 Thessalonians 2.18. Go ahead, John. I think it's right after that. It should be after that. If it's not up there, let me see if it's not up there. It says these words. It says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time again, but Satan hindered us. I was just talking with Judy and Diane this morning. They're on the prayer team, and And they know what it's like, they're an intercessory team so they know exactly what Satan does to try to hinder the work that God has. He'll throw things here, he'll dangle things there, he'll try to upset something over there, all to get especially, and I I faced off with the emotions of this even as a pastor and this is why so many pastors live in such a state of discouragement and depression is because their eyes are on something other than what God has said. And I see how easy it is to go there How many times that, man, one text I get, it's like, hurrah, hallelujah, and another text is, oh my goodness. And the emotions go like this, and that's where Jesus constantly reminds me, if you're ever gonna be a good pastor and a good shepherd of people, you can't go there, Justin. You have to keep here. And as you keep here, then you could actually love people properly and you can help them walk through some of these things. That word Satan or devil means false accuser. It means slanderer. How many ever feel like you've been accused in your mind about something, but it was not in the voice of anyone except God? That he has this ability to disguise his voice in such a way that you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, God. Oh, God, you must feel that way. To- oh, you do. You totally feel this way toward me. And we get this, this misconception that God feels a certain way because we've been accused that picture of that word uh, Satan or dublios, it means this a ball just going against the wall. How many have ever felt like that? Like he just won't stop? Like this battle is never gonna end. And I'm telling you, if you can outlast him, you're gonna win in the area that he's trying to, to get you in. In Second Corinthians chapter two, verse number eleven, is that on the screen, John? It says these words, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The reason why I'm sharing this with you is we're talking about the good fight of faith, but there's an enemy who is crafty, he is cunning, and he has this ability to mess with our minds, and he has devices. That word devices actually means an orderly, logical, effective arrangement, usually steps followed to achieve an end. Now think about this. The enemy has a logical, orderly arrangement to get to an end, and what is he trying to do? If he can't keep you from ever accepting Christ, what is he gonna to try to do? Keep you from believing who you are and who God is to you. If he can get you moved off of the place of believing, he's got you because you're no longer than a believer. And we are called to believe. That's all we're called to do. We're not called to go and do. We're called to believe what our Father said. And so a place of faith is responding to what my Father has said, to what Jesus did on that cross, and I'm not moving. And the enemy is like, okay, let's see. We'll we'll see how much you truly believe in the finished work of Christ. And he'll try every single temptation, every single avenue. Satan specializes in the mind. He infiltrates the mind of of all of us if we allow him to. That's where he's going to have his little playground and he's going to entice us. Didn't he do this? And how does he do this? By suggestion. He does it. How How do you think adultery starts? It's simply a suggestion of the mind. What if she was better than your wife? What if she treated you better than her? She probably respects you more than your wife. How much fun would that be? Just one time, one holding of the hand, one kiss on the cheek with that woman. And what happens is, boom. How does he do it with guys, maybe with computers and their, their, their phones? is Ah, just just look one time. It's innocent, it's just a suggestion. How about this? When you make a commitment to go pray, what does he suggest how about you just take it easy don't wake up so early you deserve more what more rest or how about this when you do you know what hey lord i really god is inviting you to his presence what suggestion comes to your mind oh man you, you haven't seen that last episode of that series now listen to me, we think it's just the natural part of our day, but we don't realize there's suggestions happening all the time. Why did that person say that to you? Why did that person not hug you? Why did that person not do that to you? Why did that person say it like that to you? And he's got us in a place where now self rises up, and self is, I have a right. And Jesus said, if you want to follow me, deny That's the key to living the life that he's called because self says, I have a right to be hurt. I have a right to be heard. I have a right to feel that way about that person. I have a right to be hurt by that person. I have a right to be offended. I have a right to be mad. I have a right to be angry. And all the while, it's just holding you in bondage. And the enemy is just suggesting one thing after another to see what we will finally bite into. And he suggests to, to, to Eve in the garden, what do you say? Did God really say that? Just a simple suggestion. He wasn't trying to be forceful. He didn't try to force her into a place. He just simply suggested. And he's gonna suggest things all the time to us. Do you really think God's gonna come through this time? Here's another suggestion. How are you gonna make it through this financial situation with what you're making? Just a suggestion. And then it gets us in going, oh, that's a good question. (laughs) How are we gonna make it? And yeah, is my marriage gonna survive this? And and he's got us. And that's why it's so important to be what? To be vigilant and to be sober like Peter said because the enemy is coming around and he's just dropping things here and there. And he's very effective at it. So look at Ephesians 6:11, and we're gonna close in just a couple minutes. Look at this. Ephesians 6:11 11 uh, through 14. I know that one's on the screen. There it goes. He says these words put on the what? Whole armor of God that you may be able to I want you to see these words. These are extremely important because at the end of the day, faith is responding, but it's responding to what God said and it's responding to what Jesus did. And so I'm gonna stand in that place of what God has said. And he says, so that you can stand against the wiles of the schemes of the enemy, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Withstand. You can put that picture on real quick and then we're gonna go back to this verse. This is exactly the picture that I, I want you to see is that it's like you're you're, you're you're supposed to be where you are. Faith is right here. Faith is standing on this raft and there's everything and anything coming to knock you off of that place. But the enemy, you're not fighting these guys. If you were fighting these guys, you would jump in after them and start to dunk them under the water. Your your fight is what? The good fight of faith it's not the enemy it's not other people it's not your heavenly father your fight is to stand and when the enemy comes against you what are you going to do you're going to withstand what the enemy is pushing against you and what he's lying to you about go back to the scripture and it says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to what stand stand it doesn't seem clear doesn't it when you put yellow on words it makes it much easier is that we are to stand, and we are to stand, and we are to stand, and we are to stand. Stand until when? Until God takes you home to be with him, and then you can just sit. Amen? But until then, you stand. Well, what do I do? My daughter still has diabetes, and it's been three years into it. I remember we put, we put on her mirror, you are healed. And I just remember walking the other day, and in, 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 in the enemy suggestion, why isn't she healed yet? Here's another suggestion, why'd you stop believing? And you know what I did as I walked? I said, you know what, I didn't stop believing. I believe every single day, I stand in the fact that God is her healer and God's gonna use her and God's gonna do amazing things and I'm gonna stand. And I'm not gonna face off with the trick of the enemy and get me into my emotions and get me into wavering back and forth and back and forth. No, I'm standing. God, what did you say? You said that you're always with her. You said that you're her protector. You are her shepherd. You are her healer. You are her comforter. You are her deliverer. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers out of all them. I'm standing. And I want to encourage you to stand. Stand for your kids, stand for your marriage, stand for what God has promised you. If the enemy is trying to knock you off board, just stand. And then if you're gonna do something else, withstand. And then if you're gonna do something more, stand. And then if you're having done all the stand, stand therefore, having what? Girding your waist with truth. is you stand and you're not moved. So what do we stand in? These four things came to my mind. I stand in the security of God's love for me. God, you're always good. You always have my best in mind and you're always setting me up to succeed. I stand in that. I'm also gonna stand In my identity. Father, you said that I'm a new man. You said that I can walk in newness of life. That old man, my old creation is dead and gone and all things have been made new. I stand in who I am. I'm the righteousness of God. I am pure and I'm blameless and I'm holy in your sight. There's no fault or defect inside of me. All the handwriting of the requirements of the law have been nailed to the cross and I am cleansed and I'm free. I stand. Amen? Because that's who I am. And I'm not being moved into shame, into guilt, into condemnation. Because that's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I stand. I stand in God's love. I stand in my identity. And I stand in grace. Grace is what? God's empowering presence for me to become. So I look at where I'm not, and how many have been there before where you see, my gosh, I have such a long way to go. And Paul says, you know what, I forget those things behind me, but I'm pressing forward. And so, Father, I'm not, I'm not discouraged by the gap of where I need to go. I know God's grace gives me the ability to become everything you called me to become. And that's why Abraham, he could, the, the narrative of Abraham's life could say these words, against all hope He hoped. He hoped in the one who spoke the promises of God and as it was spoken over him, he became a father of many nations. And the last thing that I stand on is I get the word of God out and I stand on the promises of God. God, what have you spoken to me? You can put that last one on the screen, Johnny. What have you spoken to me? Because I stand in your love, I know you love me and it's not based upon my performance and I stand in who I am and who I am is because what Jesus did and I stand in grace, which is a gift of God but most of all, at the end of the day I'm standing in one thing God, you are not a man that you should lie if you said it, I know you'll do it if you spoke it, it shall come to pass and I am standing on the promises of God if you don't open the book how can you stand on something you don't know your father said? I'm not standing for a new house. I'm not standing for a new car. I'm not standing for more money in my bank account. I'm not standing for a new watch. All that is great if you have the money to take care for it. But if you want to put your energy toward material things, you're missing the treasures in heaven. And the treasures in heaven is that, Justin, you can stand in the peace. You can stand in the, the joy that I give you and you can stand and rest. And now, I, now go back to that picture, John. Go back to that picture one final time. And now, you can't see it because it's all blur. There's a smile on his face. Because most people are like, oh, man, God, when is this going to stop? And I can't take it anymore. But when you're standing, you're like, bring it. You're like, I know it's coming. He already promised me something. And I'm going to just stand and I'm going to have fun standing because I stand in his grace. And he promised me that he would be a shelter around me. That the righteous can run into the tower of his presence and find shelter. So it's not me that is fighting my battles. He's the one that what? Is fighting for me. All he's asked me to do is to stand. And I get a watch as he makes my enemies scatter around me and I find a place of peace and the enemy hates nothing more than a believer who is smiling when he gave him his best blow. Amen? Amen. Let's give Jesus some praise. Hey, Joe, can you get my daughter? Summer, not Carly. I know some of you are struggling to stand and I get it. All I can say is if this is not you and that's you, get back up. Like, all right, you got pushed off the raft. You moved out of the place of faith. You didn't believe that God loves you. You don't believe in your identity. You stopped believing. Man, get back up. Stand back up there and go, but by the grace of God I am. And Jesus, I thank you for, for living in me. And you get back up and you start believing. Come on up, girls. Lane, you wanna come up with her? So I'm only doing this one because I'm the pastor and two, she's my kid, so. It's pretty much the only reason we're doing this, but uh, uh, I just wanna pray for her that she has a great week. What is so awesome about these camps is it's the first time that my daughter gets to feel like no one's different. Like everybody has, and more than one person in this world has diabetes. Her, Nick Jonas, and uh, everybody at the diabetes camp. So, um, and so we just wanna pray for this awesome little girl. Lainey, will you help me pray with her? All right, Father, we just bless Summer Ray and we thank you for this great and awesome opportunity she has. I pray, Father God, not only will she go there, but she'll also be an encourager to other little girls. Maybe they're struggling just as well that she knows exactly what they're going through. And I thank you that she has the funnest time. That when a boy asks her to dance, she says, no, Father God. And that she realizes her father is always with her watching every step of the way. And so we bless her today. We thank you for safe travels there. And that Father God, she's in good hands while we're there. And so we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me? We're gonna sing one more song. This is what I want to encourage you while you sing this song. Uh, When we do a final song, that doesn't give you like preparation time to leave. That's what this last song is not for. I want you to reflect. I want you to take something or ask the Lord for something that I spoke today and go, God, where 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 can I respond in faith that I'm not? Where am I not believing? Where am I not standing? And he'll remind you gently. There's no condemnation when he reminds you. The Holy Spirit and I, this is cool. Uh, It was the first time in in a while that it happened and I'm appreciative of it, but I was doing something and the Lord convicted me. And it just felt so good to be convicted by the Holy Spirit because it wasn't condemning, it was saying that's not wise. Carl was there at the time when it happened and uh, and I want you to know that when he does that, he's just convicting you, letting you know uh, you're wavering in this area. Keep on standing. Some of you have let go of things that God has promised you and you're like, I, I haven't seen in a while, so God, I give it up. There's a gentleman out there, he's a, a minister called Andrew Womack and he pastored for many years and one time he was just 35 years into his ministry. It wasn't taking off like he thought it was. He was in his mid-50s at the time and uh, the Lord said, why'd you stop believing me for what I promised you? He's like, well, it's been 35 years, <laughs> I haven't seen it. Who else would believe you if it doesn't come to pass in 35 years? He goes, believe me again and watch what will happen. And God, the ministry exploded in a way that probably haven't seen in a later age. Most ministries kind of go this way. His went that way. Um, so don't limit God. Don't put a limit on what God is gonna do and when's he gonna do it. He's, he's working, amen? He just wants us to stand with a smile on our face. And one day, it may be fake today. One day it's gonna be real. And when it's real, you'll experience what Megan has experienced this past year. A refreshing, a joy that is inside that not everything hasn't changed, but something changed in here. Amen? So Father, I bless every single one of my brothers and sisters today. And I thank you for speaking to their hearts. I thank you for calling them up that these are men and women of faith. They live by faith, they walk by faith, and they will fight the good fight of faith. That they're not fighting an enemy, they're fighting the truth What is the truth of this situation? And so I bless them, all of them today. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We're going to sing one final song. If you want to give, you can give.